I want to read this morning and uh, from 2 Kings chapter 6. And my message today is, is going to be very simple. Very simple. But the more this service has progressed and the closer the moment has come to present this to you, what I believe God has given to me, the more I feel the will of God in this and what God has given me. Second Kings chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us or too small. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he, Elisha, answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he sent with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam or cutting a tree down, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. Everybody say, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he, Elisha, cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim or float. Therefore, said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. I want to preach to you for a little while, and I want to preach to everybody in this building this morning. Somehow, the will of God is being performed right now. God, God is doing some things in this service right now. I want everybody to listen to the Word of God. I want to preach to you for a few minutes this morning when the borrowed is lost. When the borrowed is lost. Let's ask for God's blessing on the, on the preaching of the word this morning. Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. We ask for your blessing. We ask for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We pray that you would speak to us. Let the word of God go forth with anointing and power as it always does. We will be in debt for your blessing. We pray, God, that our hearts are stirred, that we are moved and changed as a result of being in the house of God this morning. We pray that you would bless every heart. I pray that our ears are open to hear the word of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Thank the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to help the preacher. Thank the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Have you ever been amazed at when the minister, when you're standing, and when the minister says, God bless you, that means be seated? Have y'all ever noticed that? <clears throat> I like to tease a little bit once in a while about that. I remember, it's been a number of years ago, uh, there was a new neighbor that moved into the neighborhood where we used to live. And uh, we befriended him and his wife a little bit. And so I guess as a result of a very brief and very short and very shallow friendship, one Saturday morning, there was a knock on the door, and I went to the door, and he said, uh, Mr. Glenn, he said, do you have a shovel I can borrow? And uh, I said, yes, I do. I said, actually, I have several different kinds of shovels. What do you need? 
And he said, well, I really need a flat shovel like you'd scrape a roof off or something like that. And I, I said, yeah, I, have, I actually have a couple of those. And uh, he said, can I borrow one? I said, sure. So I went to the shed and brought him that shovel. And he looked me dead in the eye and said this. I've never forgotten it. He said, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you now. I'm not going to return it. I said, okay. He said, if you ever need to borrow it back, it'll be at my house. I have never gotten that shovel back. That was it. I would prefer the man that said, if you have a nice shovel, would you present it to me as a gift? I would appreciate it. I'm sure every one of us listen to pastor very carefully. I'm going to go ahead and get all this straight right now, and we'll have a repentant and forgiveness service one of these times. But every one of us has loaned stuff out to people, and we never got it back. All right. Will you be just as honest and just as fervent when I say that we have borrowed things from people and we've never returned them either. Thank you. That's what I thought. I went in my shed several months ago and I was looking for something and came across something else and I thought, where did that come from? I didn't remember buying that. I don't remember when I got it or whatever and then it hit me. It belongs to someone else. I've had the thing for several years. They forgot about it. I forgot about it. So I just might as well go ahead and keep it. Um, But anyway, but that's how it goes. I want to say to you this morning, I want you to listen very carefully because I don't want to get crossways with anybody's theology. But before I begin to preach, I want to make this disclaimer. God, God, the anointing, the gifts that God gives us are not our possession. God is not our possession. The way I remember the story is that he died and bought us. So we are his possession. But he is not necessarily ours. Does everybody understand that? I want to preach to you for a little while this morning when the borrowed is lost. Have Sister... Dana Rogers here this morning, uh, also Sister Pat Fleming. Y'all will remember Brother James Downs years and years ago. He used to, he would visit Baton Rouge, and at the time I believe he lived somewhere around Marksville, Louisiana. I think he was instrumental in the casino opening up there. No, I'm kidding. That was just a joke. But anyway, um, he used to come to the visit the Baton Rouge church uh, years ago would come in periodically uh, on Sunday mornings and invariably no matter when he came whether it was Brother Calvin Rigdon the pastor back in those days or Brother Curtis Young they would always have him sing I never remember Brother James Downs being in service that he did not sing and uh, the man had just an incredible voice very mellow incredible voice very, very soothing sounding voice <clears throat> but I Remember, and if, if Brother James was here, I would say this with him here, and I think it'd be even better if he was. But it seemed to me like, and I remembered thinking, Dana, when I was a kid, that the man only knew two songs. When he came to Baton Rouge to sing, he sang one of two songs. He would sing, He Touch Me or Remind Me. Y'all remember that? I never have heard the man sing anything else. I've wanted to hand him a hymnal and say there's other songs that you can sing in church once in a while. But anyway, I remember him singing 
remind me. That song goes through my head pretty regular, and I can still hear Brother James Downs singing that song in my mind. It goes something like this. The words are, the things that I love and hold dear to my heart are borrowed. They're not mine at all. Jesus only let me use them to brighten my life. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. The chorus goes, roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Show me where you've brought me from and where I might have been. Remember that I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. In our scripture setting this morning, the Bible tells of one of what would be Elisha's 14 miracles. It is so simple, it's hardly, in my opinion, even noteworthy. When you've had a man that's multiplied bread, when you had a man that uh, has just so many incredible miracles performed through his ministry, in my opinion, the scripture setting in 2 Kings chapter 6 is pitifully simple. To me, it's on a very similar level of you have one person that stands and says, God healed me of cancer, and then another person stands and said, God heals me of a toothache. You just want to tell the toothache person to sit down. It's not a big deal. That's kind of where it is a big deal. I'm just using that to illustrate the, 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 the point here this morning. In comparison to the miracles that God performed through the ministry of Elisha, this one, in my opinion, is hardly noteworthy. The simple story is this. Those of you that are familiar with the scripture towards the end of the Old Testament will remember that Elijah and Elisha had a, if you will, a teaching, mentoring, training type school for prophets. Men that felt they had a gifting or a calling to be a prophet, they could sit under the tutelage of uh, Elijah or even Elisha, which is the case here, and, and he would help them develop that ministry. There were so many of them. The Bible called them the sons of the prophets, but there were so many of them that had gathered around Elisha, and rightfully so, my, my, if you wanted to be mentored by a prophet, could you find a better one than Elisha to be mentored by? But the Bible said they came to him one day and said our facility, the school, the, the uh, classroom, the dormitories, if you will, we've outgrown it. It's too small for us. What do you think, Elisha, if we gather together a group of us and we go into the well-wooded uh, area around the Jordan River and we start cutting lumber. We can cut some trees down and we can mill our lumber and we can add on to our facility. And Elisha said, go do it. There are so many things in this scripture setting that I would like to expound on this morning, but time and the clock is not friendly for me to do that. But I find it amazing that when the place needed to be expanded, 
the ministry not only came up with a vision, the desire, the burden, the purpose, and what have you, but they were also willing to lend their hands, their back, if you will. They were willing to uh, perform the labor and whatnot to do that. As a matter of fact, in verse 3, there's just a little statement I'll make here. One of the sons of the prophet said to another, said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with your servant and help him work. You be a servant today, not the preacher. You go out and work. You get out in the sun. You do some backbreaking stuff. And you go with your servant and work. And the, and the prophet said, I will go. What's interesting about this scripture, I don't know how many axes they had to chop those trees down with. I read in the scripture that apparently it was only one and they shared it. What's interesting about it, and I would not expect for there to be a lot of equipment, a lot of machinery, if you will, a lot of these various tools at this schooling for prophets. That's not what they're there for. Uh, I don't imagine they had a whole lot of tools or whatnot. But no doubt the Bible doesn't say, but, and I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, it doesn't matter. But no doubt somebody said, we're going to need an axe. I know somebody that has one. I'm going to go ask him if I can borrow it. The implication is this. is the person who owned the axe paid a price for that axe. They, they bought it. They had someone make it. Whatever the story was, that kind of tool <coughs> was not easy to come by in those, kind, in those days. So the Bible said that as they started working to cut down that wood, to cut down those trees and to start milling lumber and what have you. Somebody was using that axe and when they slung it backwards to come in for another uh, whack at the tree, if you will, the head of it flew off and landed in the river. The person that this happened to kind of went into a panic. You just heard the scripture. He ran to Elisha and he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. He did not make a to-do over the fact that the axe head was lost and we're not going to be able to continue our project. That wasn't his point. His point was is that we have borrowed this axe from somebody and now the head of it is in the river. We can't see where it's at. Obviously, it's sunk to the bottom. What are we going to do now? I want to emphasize again. It was not the lack of process uh, it was not a lack of them being able to proceed with a project that rattled the man. The point is, is that that axe head was borrowed from somebody. Apparently, there were some strings attached. Much like you and I have done when we have loaned things in times past. That I'm going to loan this to you, and you better return it to me in the same condition in which you found it. If you don't, then you're going to go to Home Depot and buy me another one. That's the way I feel about stuff that I loan out. I don't loan it to you to go tear it up. If I want it tore up, I could do that. Does everybody understand that point? All right. Y'all bear with me with my voice. But his point in losing the axe head was that it was borrowed. There's people sitting in this building this morning. I teach 
Y'all, this is going to be real different this morning. Y'all, give me some latitude. But I teach, and I don't want to get crossways with people's theology. In reference to the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, if you consider discerning of spirits, gifts of spirit, it doesn't matter. It's nine. I don't believe when you're used in the gifts of the Spirit, if you give a message in tongues or if you have the gift of healing or if you have the gift of prophecy or uh, the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, all that. I don't believe when you're used in that particular gift that it becomes a possession and that you can use it at your will. I don't believe that's how it works. I believe when God uses you in the gifts of the Spirit, you use it when He wills. Does everybody understand that? So it's not a tool that's yours. It's been placed in your care. It's been placed in you with accountability and responsibility. But it's not yours. When you are finished using that gift, it goes back to the one from whence it was borrowed from. There's people here today that may be in the gifts of the Spirit but with other, listen to pastor. I feel a strong heartbeat right now of God. There's people here this morning that God loaned you an axe head in the past. He gave you a tool. There was a moment in your life <clears throat> that you were so close to God that you were so sensitive to the Holy Ghost. You were always in the prayer room before church, fasting one, two days a week, studying your Bible, teaching Bible studies, teaching a Sunday school class. God let you borrow a gifting for the purpose of building and expanding His kingdom. You were under the tutelage of capable leadership, whether it was at this church or otherwise. But in the process of building, in the process of trying to cause the kingdom of God to grow, you lost the axe head. I can't take an axe handle and just beat a tree with it. And expect to get the same result. I have to have the head on it. I have to have that piece of iron. I have to have that sharp edge. I have to have it ready and prepared. It has to be just right if it's going to be effective. And there's people here this morning that you've been swinging for months, for weeks, months, and perhaps even years. You've been swinging an axe handle because the axe head that was borrowed by you from God has been lost. I've come today, no questions asked, to throw a stick in the water and bring your axe head back. I've come to see it come back. Is everybody with me? Let's talk about it. The axe head was the tool that they needed the most, and it was lost. A pair of pliers wouldn't work. A nail wouldn't work. A hammer wouldn't work. <laughs> no matter what other tool they had, a donkey wouldn't work. An elephant wouldn't work. They had to have that axe head, the tool that was needed the most. 
was lost. The axe is flying and the blade is biting deep into the tree and the tree trembles and then it falls to the ground and, and the, the prophet passes on to the next tree and starts to take it down but in the midst of it the axe head comes off and sinks in the river. And so now how is the building process going to be finished? There's people sitting here today that there was a moment, there was a time in your life that God equipped you with all the tools you needed to expand the kingdom. But it's been lost and you have that still unfinished project ongoing in your life. That ministry that God has called you to. That burden that God gave you. That vision that God showed you. Those desires that used to consume you is now wrapped up in yellow tape. I'm sorry, but the builder is on strike. The builder has lost his tool. The builder cannot continue. How is the building going to be finished unless we bring the tools back into our life that God has given to us? What are we going to do? Listen to pastor this morning. I know it's simple, but it's a God thing here right now. At one sudden stroke, just one second ago, the axe was working fine. Just a few minutes ago, just even last Sunday, I was vibrant, I was fervent, I was excited, I was so filled with anticipation. I felt so fervent and passionate about God and the kingdom of God. But I swung the axe one too many times. And when I swung it back, the head flew off of it. I'm going to come to that in just a moment. But I want you to notice that one sudden stroke, everything collapsed. None of the project could continue. The building, the whole structure, everything was dependent on that one tool being at its best and functioning in the capacity that was intended to function. Everything comes to a grinding halt and now there's a crisis. Listen to pastor, there's such crisis. There's crises, events that will take place in the life of every child of God It's going to come. The Bible will tell you it's going to come. Nobody is immune from it. If you track the lives of the greatest saints, if you track the history of any church somewhere in its history, there's going to be a record of a lost axe head. It happens in various ways to churches. Some of these things we've experienced here at Grace or I've experienced personally in my own ministry. But the death of a stalwart saint of God can set a church back. The church is filled with grief, but that spot is never finished. We've had people from our church that have passed on and and their place has never been filled. I could call their names. Most of you probably would not even know them. It can take place when one of the prominent primary leaders of the church backslides or there's a case of immorality. It can take place when truth is not carefully passed to the following generation. It can take place when the people begin to squabble and disunity starts to prevail. It can take place when complacency gets a chokehold on the church. It can take place when sin enters and it's allowed to go on without rebuke. And it can take place when the priorities of its members get out of sync. If There, there, there are a lot of ways that the axe head is lost in the church. And the same holds true for individual people. If we are willing to admit it, all of us at some point in our life have come to the place where we lost the axe head. 
It may have come when responsibilities overwhelmed us and we get burnt out. It may have taken place when sickness prevailed in our body and physically we could not perform. It may have occurred when we took our offenses and, and let them take over our best intentions. And it may have happened when we took uh, to watching others instead of God. And it may have been when we got a little weary and well-doing. But for whatever reason, the axe head was lost. This lost axe head shuts down our vision. It chokes out our spiritual dreams. It stifles our prayers. It chokes our faith. It can literally shut down every bit a productive fruit that has been growing in our life. I've been there more than once or twice, but I'm here to tell you today, I've been doing my own personal soul searching here of late. We just concluded a 21-day Daniel fast, and God has our church on a destiny that is just absolutely amazing. I am determined, I am determined to keep my axe head firmly attached to its handle. I don't want to ever, ever, ever go through a moment when God cannot have the best of me and when the best of me is not available to him praise God we've come too far to look back I want to appeal to our ministry please don't lose the axe head please don't lose the whatever God has given you whatever God has called you to do whatever it is that God wants you to be pursue it with all of your might, we've come too far to look back now. When you lose your axe head, you're much more susceptible to listen to the voice of the enemy. Discouragement gives him an open road into your soul and it's the middle of weeping over the axe head that the despairing voices are the loudest. We're never going to get this thing done. I'll be honest with you, there were moments when we were renting this building and we were so anxious to purchase it and we had such great vision and what have you and there was just a handful of people in the two center sections and, and I would pray and I would walk through this building and beg God. I felt like I'd lost my axe head. I couldn't do anything. Everything just came to a grinding halt. I can't get anything done. There's too much work and not enough resources and what we've needed the most has been lost and, and we can't get it back. It's an atmosphere like that that it's hard. In fact, it's impossible for our our faith to prevail. It's in an atmosphere like this that will test your thinking. The fact is that the highest challenge of our faith is oftentimes determined by our feelings and how we feel about God in our life. How a man feels about a situation, his circumstances, his lot in life will determine what happens in the end. John Maxwell made an awesome statement. If you're willing to change your thinking, if you're willing to change your thinking, you can change your feelings. And if you can change your feelings, you can change your actions. If you can change your actions, you can change your life. But it all starts with the way you think. It's how you perceive it. The second thing that happens to a church and an individual when what is borrowed is lost is we have a tendency to show more strength than we do skill. I'm going to tell you what. You can be a skillful axe slinger. But if they ain't a head on the end of that handle, you're beating the air. That's all there is to it. You're not going to accomplish one thing without the axe head. It doesn't matter how strong you are. Your skill is only as good as the tools that allow you to manifest your skill. God's builders sometimes show more strength than skill. We have all witnessed it. In fact, 
We have probably been guilty of it. The axe head is lost, but we just keep on firing away with the handle. I've been guilty of it. You can't feel the anointing. There, there's no passion. There's no fervency. You're just doing it out of duty. I'm doing it because this is what I was trained to do. It's no more than a, a Labrador retriever retrieving uh, uh, a decoy duck back to you. It, it's, it's just going through the motions. There's no real benefit nor merit. And oftentimes as Pentecostal church goers, every one of us get to that stage and point in our life that we're, we just, we're slinging a handle. We get in our Sunday school class and we, get, we leave frustrated because you didn't feel like you did very good. I just just talked to one of our ministers and, and uh, they were talking about an area of minister, ministry that they just ministered in. He said, I felt like I did a terrible job. And the truth is you probably didn't. But there's those moments that you feel like all you're slinging is an axe handle. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about here this morning? We've all witnessed it. In fact, we've all been guilty of it. The axe head is lost and we just keep on firing away with a handle. And we can put a lot of confidence in our flesh or in the human wisdom of the heart and leave no room for God to work in the middle of the dilemma there's times that individuals get so caught up in using their own energy and their own sincerity to compensate for the lack of supernatural anointing I want to tell our church here today if it's passing out, out hot chocolate on Friday night after the football game if it's coming working in the altars if it's getting in a prayer room let me tell you this morning there is no substitute there is none for an axe head you can swing the handle until your teeth fall out but you're not going to build the kingdom without God engaging your skill with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. There's no substitute. There's no substitute for answered prayer. There's no substitute for people receiving the Holy Ghost. There is no substitute for liberty and worship. There is no substitute for a fired up youth group. There is no substitute for fasting that prevails. There is no substitute for a passion for the Word of God. There is no substitute for a desire and passion for revival and harvest. I want to tell everybody here this morning, it's time to put the axe handle down and jump in the water and pray that God will show us where our axe head is so we can be the most effective and we can be the most fruitful for the purpose of building the kingdom of God. And here's the thing about losing the axe head. It wasn't done on purpose. I didn't mean to do it. It wasn't premeditated. People don't purposely lose their greatest giftings, their greatest callings, their greatest assets. The thing most valuable to these young men at this point is in their project was the axe. They had to have the axe. If they were going to continue and go forward, they had to have the axe. They were on their way to do something noble and important. But in the process of it all, they lost what they needed the most. I want to say to our praise team, sit down if it's not anointed. I want to say to all of our preachers, including me, sit down if you're not anointed. I don't want to ever be guilty of just standing up here swinging an axe handle. We've got to have the anointing, the passion, the fervency, the fire of the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist said there's one coming after me and he will baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. In my opinion, the fire is equivalent to the accent. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. If you've lost it by God, you can find it again. Praise God. majority of people that lose their axe head they don't do it on purpose they don't do it with evil intent it just happened that way
kind of at the wrong place at the wrong time, got caught up in the wrong circumstance. Maybe wasn't as sensitive to God as you needed to be. Maybe you listened to others more than you were listening to God. On and on it goes, you understand. It happened. And this is what's so grieving. Is this situation happened while they were doing the best they could. They were giving it everything they had. I've had people sit in my office and tears streaming down their face. All I wanted to do, Brother Murphy, was just help build the kingdom. My intention was just to build a Sunday school class. I just wanted to help build the youth group. I just wanted to get up and sing so I could worship God and encourage others to worship God. But somewhere along the line, it's not meant to be. It wasn't on purpose. It wasn't premeditated. You swing one time and the axe head drives into the tree and the kingdom of God is growing. You swing it again and it's gone. And you wonder and you ponder. And it's frustrating and confusing because there is no answer. Sometimes you're in the batter's box and life throws you a pitch that you're not prepared to swing at. Church, listen to me. Church people, ministry, pastors, associates, assistants, assistant to, whatever whatever title you want to put behind their name. Every one of us are entitled to doing some pretty stupid things sometimes. We're not entitled to do it. We're prone to do it. It's sad. It's sad. It didn't start in the 21st century either. It began all the way back into the Bible. Abraham did what I call some bonehead things. Samuel did. Samson did. You can go right down the line from end to end beginning. Moses did. David did. You're listening, you're working hard, and you're doing the will of God, and you're praying, Sister Lawrence, like you've never prayed before. And the anointing of God is here, and you say, by God, man, we're looking at what we're building. We're building the kingdom. Their intentions was right. Their motivation was right. Find me in the scripture where they were wrong in their attitude. They were doing a great thing, you understand. They were building the school for the prophets and to bless the nation with, to bless the world with. Everything about this was right. Brother Lawrence, it was right, man. It was... God was blessing this and they didn't leave it up to the servants. They were out there doing it. And, and in just one swing, they go from incredibly fruitful and productive to zero in one swing. There's people here today that knows what I'm talking about. You didn't mean to do it. You didn't mean for it to happen. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't premeditated. You didn't lose your passion, your anointing, your fervency. It was not lost on purpose. I'm trying to reach some folks here today, and I'm not sure the message is getting through. There's this building this morning is full of Pentecostals. I don't have much more to go here. But this room this morning is full of Pentecostals that could swing an axe like nobody else. But something happened. And here's the sad part of it. You lost the head. And so for the past weeks and months, you've just been swinging a handle. 
and you wonder why your prayers aren't being answered and why God's not doing great things and why your family's not coming back to God. It's because you've lost the most important component in your relationship with God. He gave it to you on loan and we failed to be accountable. It wasn't on purpose, but we've lost it. We've lost it and we don't know how to get it back. So rather than trying to pursue what was borrowed that's lost, we keep swinging the handle. And we're not effective and we're tired and we're burnt out and we're weary and we just can't find an answer. And it just seems like God is a million miles away. But I'm here to speak to somebody in the name of Jesus this morning that God knows where your gifting's at. He knows where your passion is at. He knows where your fervency is at. He has not forgotten about you and He's tired of you just swinging the axe handle. He's tired of watching you just swing the axe handle. He's ready to restore. He's ready to reconcile. He's ready to put your ministry, your purpose, and your calling back together again. Let me tell you, if you've lost your axe head this morning, let me tell you where to start looking for it. Let me tell you where to go start looking for it. The best place to start is where you lost it. Marcus and Cassie was at the house the other night and he said, Dad, you wouldn't believe it. He said, we were playing football with our young people at church. I relish in the moment in listening to him tell how he is now not physically sound as he used to be to get out and play football with them boys. I love that, man. I feast on every word because he used to ridicule me with scoring. Oh, come on, Dad, if you didn't have that pot belly and you... That's another subject for another time. But he said, we were out there running and tackling and throwing and playing football and having a great time. And when it was all over, he said, I patted my pocket like that. He said, Cassie needed something out of the car. And I patted my pocket like that to get the key and it wasn't in there. And that moment of reality dawned on him that he lost his car key playing football. Not only can he not get in his car and start his car, but it's one of those remotes and all of that. They're, they're pretty expensive to replace it. I said, what did you do? He said, well, I got a ride back to my house and I looked all around the house to see if it was there. That's not what he said because he knew that wasn't where he lost it. This is so simple, but it's still profound. He went to where... He last remembered having it. And that's where his search began. He said, Dad, it was so cool. And this is just, the the implication is awesome. He said, there just so happened to be one of the guys at church, for whatever reason, pulled a trailer to church. It's an open trailer that you can move stuff on. And he said he had some big lights in his truck, and he hooked them up to his truck battery. And all the young people along with myself got on that trailer and he drove that whole area back and forth with a light in that trailer and all them kids and said there was a lady that just hollered real loud. Here it is. Here it is. I wish I could have somebody understand this morning. I'll help you find your axe head because I know where you lost it. 
we'll hook up all of our church ministers and we'll get a few saints and we'll search. But we're going to find your exit because it's borrowed. And you just don't want to lose anything that God gives you. You can't afford to lose anything that God gives you. And there's people here today that used to be passionate about ministry and working for God and teaching Bible studies and teaching Sunday school. And the church just kind of in the building of the kingdom and the whole process of it all and something just went sour. And things just didn't work out. I had a man sit in my office about two months ago with tears streaming down his face. Grown man, tears streaming. Could hardly talk, he was so emotional. He said, Pastor, he said, when I came to Grace the first time, he said, you made a statement from the pulpit that said, God is not done with your future. He said, something came all over me. He said, I can't even describe what I felt. But he said, I had not felt any hope in my relationship with God in years. He said, something bad happened in my life. He said, things didn't work out like I'd planned. And he said, I literally thought God was finished with me. But what you don't understand is what gives God gives you is not necessarily yours to keep. And when you lose it, God always knows where to find it. And if you never come back for it, if you never return, you'll give it to someone else. But there's people sitting here today, your axe head is sitting in the bottle of bottom of a river. It's right where you lost it. Andre Crouch wrote a song years ago, and I, I don't know if I remember all the words, but most of you will know it. He said, I feel that I'm so far from you, Lord, but still I hear you calling me. Simple things that I once knew, the memories of knowing you. He said, I must confess that I've truly been blessed. But my soul is just not satisfied. He just goes on to say, take me back. Take me back. Take me back to the place where I first received you. Take me back to that place where you first called me. Where you first gave me that gift. Where you first gave me that passion. Listen. People here this morning, you're doing what's right in your own eyes. You're, seeing, you're swinging an axe handle with no head on it. And you're tired and you're frustrated. But God wants to bring you back to the place where He gave you that axe head. He still has it. He still has it. And we're here today to help you find it. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to take my liberty going to take my liberty we've had a real struggle for the past several months just staffing up rapid growth in our Sunday school department when there's been Sunday school teachers sitting on these pews but they lost their axe head Sister Murphy has needed people in the praise team we've needed ushers we need greeters we need a lot of help and the people are here just lost your accent. If 
you can find your exit with your help and your contribution of passion, burden, and ministry. We could turn Central upside down. You hear me today. We could turn Central upside down. We're not like every other church in Central. And I don't say that to boast, but we all know the differences. There's an anointing. There's a power. There's a relationship with God that's available to people through the conduit of what this church teaches and believes. That is not available to other to people in other churches. You know what I'm talking about. That's not a slam. That's not boasting. It's none of that. It's just an observation. But I'm here to tell you this morning, if, some, if somebody bury your face in that altar and say, I'm going to let the past be the past. Laurel and Hardy said one time on a movie I saw of theirs years ago, let bygones be bygones. And there's no point in crying over split milk. They meant spilt milk. Anyway, people need a sense of humor. You can't do anything about yesterday. You can't do one thing about it. But you can do everything about tomorrow. Is anybody hearing me? I know there's people here this morning, you're hurting, you're grieving because you've lost what's been borrowed and you can't find it. And apparently the owner is going to be very upset with you. But the Bible said there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. You can come to the front today and God will restore you. He'll reconcile you. He will heal the past and He will have you swinging again at the kingdom. He will have you He'll have you swinging your axe with strength and skill, with anointing purpose and passion. Casey, I want you to begin to sing right now. God wants to work in somebody's life. It's right up here, right up here at the front. That's where your, your axe head is. God bless. These folks are already coming. But that axe head's all, it's, it's right here. It's right here. You can find it. Sing, Casey. There's someone